0: I also think that it's important to 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 think about the, the underlying messages that we are giving to our students. And it's not just in, you know, the inspirational quote that you give or the, the kind, loving words that you give. It's in the way that you suggest that they relate to the practice and to themselves.
1: That was Rocky Heron. Hey everyone and welcome to another Yogi Misfit Sessions. My name is Danny Pomploon and I am your host. Today I'm coming at you with Session 105 and today is actually a Dharma Dudes collab with Rocky Heron. These shows are always really, really, really fun for me to do. Um, hanging out with Rocky, you know, whether it's virtually or in person, is always a great time and there's always about to be some laughs. Um, this show is pretty cool. We talk about language and how language is powerful for both students and teachers, um, you know, not fear mongering anybody and also really empowering students in their bodies and doing the thing. I've also got some really exciting news before we get this show on the road. We have been working so hard over um, here at Yogi Misfits Sessions to make the show a better place. Not just uh, listening, but also um, having a great place for it to land on websites. And we just created a podcast support page. And I'm super, 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 super thrilled about it. You can check out www.dannypumpluton.com forward slash support. There are some supporters on the show that I would like to thank, uh, for starting our first contributions to getting the show sustainable. Um, you know, as you guys start to leave these donations, it really just helps us get the show out there. Um, and it helps us, uh, you know, produce these awesome episodes, Um, Every time you donate via our Patreon, there are tons of giveaways. So whether you donate $2 or whether you donate $100, there are some fun stuff for you guys to take home. Um, These are the people that I'd love to just give a big shout out to um, for our first round of supporters. So Sherry, Philippa, Colin, Stephanie... Kyle and Michelle. You guys have been so great at starting off our first Patreon people and, and getting uh, getting us some love over here on the show. And for you listeners out there, check out the support page. Um, whether you, know, you donate, again, $2 or $108 or however it is that you want to support the show, 100% of your proceeds goes right back into supporting the show. So if you're all about free communication, if you're all about supporting artists or starving artists, which yoga teachers tend to be these days. Um, This is the place to go and donate. And uh, again, every single dollar just goes right back into the show. There's a Warrior 1 donation, there's a Warrior 2 donation, there's a Warrior 3 donation, and then a Guru one as well. And every single one of them has some sort of giveaway with it. So check it out. That's on the podcast support page, dannypumploon.com backslash, uh, or forward slash, rather, um, support. Um, And it just, again, it helps us getting the show sustainable and, and creating this awesome content that uh, I love to do and and uh, yeah it helps us build our online community even more can't thank you guys enough for supporting the show I can't thank Rocky enough for coming on the show today and talking about language and how important it is and without further ado here goes session 105
0: hi Rakiki. hey Taniqua
1: how you doing girl Hey, hey, girl. <laughs> hey, girl. how you doing? Girl? <laughs> Rocky, it's back. It's glad or I'm glad to be words are hard. I'm glad to be back on the podcast with you. It's back to be glad 2020.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm back to be glad on the podcast with you, too, girl. Oh, my God, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, what? It's, it might be a new year. but it's the same old Danny and Rocky same old shenanigans you guys same old antics same old tomfoolery
1: uh, what about um uh, well no the words are hard again i was gonna say shenanigans but i realized i just said shenanigans tomfoolery shenanigans shenanigulery uh, ch- <laughs> chain pulling chain pulling
0: oh oh, yeah got yeah i'm more of a chain yanker than a puller but you know to each uh, his own i don't it. judge whatever. It's cool.
1: (laughs) Hey, Rocky, what I noticed is we're using really different language. Oh, my God. I feel like we should deconstruct that.
0: (laughs) And just like that, we have topic for the podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My segues are so good. They're getting so much better. They really are. Not
0: abrupt, not um, not awkward or forced, just really natural and smooth, just like you.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Rocky. I feel so seen and heard right now.
0: Well, I, I hear you. I can't see you, but if you were in front of me, I definitely would see you.
1: Okay. Well, I appreciate that. (laughs) Okay. So explain to me what we're going to get into, because I don't, I know for sure that I I didn't know about it until I knew about it. So Mm -hmm. help me understand how we're going to dive into language today on the, on the podcast.
0: Well, you know, how we communicate our instructions and how we communicate our intentions to our, to our students as, as teachers, and also how we hear and receive instructions um, as students, I would suggest is sort of the main um, uh, the main tool that we use to communicate in our classes. Certainly, you know, many of us use visual demonstrations or touch or different approaches to to convey or to, to communicate, but s- uh, speech is perhaps the most potent and, and the most widely used. And so I think um, when I run trainings and um, certainly, when I talk to teachers, they're often wanting to understand how better to communicate, or what cues to use, or what cues to avoid. Um, and there's some common themes that I see uh, presented uh, in 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 the way that we choose to use our language. Um, certainly, you know, I've been I don't want to say guilty, but I've I've certainly um, learned a lot, and I've been. Um, I I've, I've had to, to examine and look at the way that I choose my words. So the, the, the type of language that I'm, I'm interested in, especially in avoiding when I teach is what, uh, what I call nocebic language or what is called nocebic language. So that's why I thought we might So talk help about. me
1: understand how. Help us understand what
0: nocebic language means. Well, uh, a nocebo is similar to a placebo. Um, Wikipedia says that a nocebo effect is said to occur when negative expectations of the patient regarding a treatment cause the treatment to have a more negative effect than it otherwise would have. So nocebic language um, would be the type of language that we use often in an attempt to either keep our students safe or to sort of uh, to. Uh, to, to get their buy-in, to follow our instructions, sort of the like, if you don't do exactly as I say, this will happen, or follow exactly what I say in order to avoid harm or danger. So I say it's, it's well-meaning that we often use this type of language. Um, it very well may, may, may be true, um, but it can often um, create false... Um, either false understandings about the benefits or the reasons why you might choose particular alignment points or um, sentiments in our class, um, but it can also have an effect uh, where it creates sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy where the student becomes afraid um, of moving their bodies in certain ways um, so that when their bodies do go into those areas, um, we might feel more vulnerable or more susceptible to injury. And then that injury or even pain can become, as I said, a self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: So, I mean, I I, like for me personally, like in my, um, in my teaching, I never, I never teach in absolutes. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is something, I don't know if you remember, actually, do you remember in the training, this is something that we got into, um, when we were speaking about language, just in the yoga room on on multiple different things, but not using things like, don't do this or you'll Mm -hmm. get hurt, but rather, try exploring this and see if there's a greater um, there's a greater opportunity for strength or uh, basically just not saying, Hey, don't do this. You're going to get injured because teaching absolutes isn't necessarily for for me. It's not my favorite thing to do. And I also don't think that um, it's, I feel like it it more discredits the student's experience and their own Mm -hmm. journey by doing
0: that. And and I think it limits the possibilities of what we can achieve as movement teachers. You know, I certainly, when I first started practicing yoga and, and even well into my teaching, I had this assumption that there was a correct way of doing things and an incorrect way of doing things. And that may be true depending on what your intention is. You know, for example, if we're to talk about the pose warrior two, for example, you know, there, there isn't uh, a sort of passed down, um, uh, by the gods, by the yoga gods, like instruction for what warrior two is or what warrior two isn't. But we do have to make some general kind of, um, uh, assumptions or guidelines around what what constitutes warrior two for example the legs are in a wide stance position one front foot is turned out back foot's turned in a little bit we typically orient that with a heel mm-hmm. to arch alignment and the feet as wide as the wrist so so on and so forth and we kind of give that the stamp of you know this is virabhadrasana too and if you have a different um uh understanding uh, or, or priority around how you organize that pose that's totally fair as well so you know if i'm wishing to teach somebody or to instruct someone into how to get into that pose and I say, take your feet as wide as your outstretched wrists and somebody doesn't do that, then it's not that they're doing the pose unsafely or that the pose is incorrect inherently. But the instruction that I just gave was, for one reason or another, not followed or not integrated or implemented. So we can still create specificity around what it is we're going for in a particular pose. but I think that the misunderstanding is often that that specificity is to keep our students out of joint positions that would otherwise be unsafe. And my way of looking at this is that the, the, the inherent sort of, let's say, I'll use the word danger, but the, the danger of, of, of not following a particular instruction is not that the the choice the student makes is unsafe but if the student believes their feet are as wide as their wrists when they're not then their what we'll call kinesthetic awareness is a little bit off for example what they think their body is doing is not exactly what their body is doing and so that can create a margin of error where the the movements that might follow will likewise be a little bit off the mark so to speak which can render the student a little less confident or stable or secure in their own bodies so you know, specificity is not the, um, the, uh, the, the, enemy <laughs> to, to say like healthy movement. Um, it's often required to create more discernibility, but or discernment. Um, but I often hear that specificity being enacted or enabled through a sort of fear mongering. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm interested in, in myth busting a little bit.
1: So it's pretty much, it's like the evil twin of the placebo effect is is what we're getting at. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't
0: even know that the placebo effect, you know, something I think about a lot in my teaching is I, I could say something I could use sort of placebic language and say, you know, if you practice warrior two every day uh, for one minute and hold it every day for one minute, that's going to, um, awaken your second chakra which is connected to abundance and creativity and so your creativity will skyrocket your sexual energy will be off the charts and um i want that i want yeah, that okay I mean, and, <laughs> and uh, danny currently in warrior two for the remainder of this podcast um i can't hear you guys i'm in warrior <laughs> <two>. <laughs> i can feel your like virility just pulsing through the airwaves um you know and i, and I hear Oops, sorry I hear a lot of that happening, too, where we make these sort of what I'll call like reductive um, statements about, like, if you do this, then this will happen. Um, And, you know, something I guess that I'm in consideration with in, in my instruction is is it if I use placebic language to create a beneficial effect, but what I'm saying is not innately true, like if I'm sort of using the suggestibility of my instructions to tell somebody that their life will get better if they just do this, and then they do that, believing it will make their life better and their life gets better, then mm-hmm. is that responsible or irresponsible? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think there's 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 a danger to placebic language as well, in that it can create false false assumptions or understandings, but there's also a benefit. Likewise with nocebic language, there's a there's a danger there too, because it can create false assumptions, but we can also use it to our benefit. You know, if someone is not paying attention in class, um, and is, uh, perhaps more at risk because they're, they're not moving in a, in a mindful way, I could say, you know, pay attention to my instructions or else you'll get hurt. Um, stack right. your, your, your bones and your joints in just this way or else. Um, so, you know, it's and why I say it's often well-meaning is because I believe it is. And, and we can perhaps use, uh, that language to our benefit or our students benefit, but I think more often than not, I don't hear it used consciously. I hear it being used by teachers and even of, of myself in the past and probably even currently if, if I take a good hard look at everything I'm doing um, based on misunderstandings or, or false assumptions around how movement works.
1: Okay. I have a list of things that I'm going to, I'm going to, I have some nocebo uh, languaging and I'd love to see let like pop quiz time. You ready? you yes. All right, we're going to try to demystify these and change these up into placebo or, or yeah, placebo language. We're on the opposite of nocebo, okay? Right. Here goes. Ready? Notice any tension in your shoulders. Well, to me I wouldn't consider that
0: nocebic language necessarily. But we might say notice if there is tension in your shoulders. Got it. Because maybe there isn't, <laughs> you know. So yeah. if I say to you there's there there is um there is tension in your shoulders. Can you find it? Uh, you might end up manifesting tension just so that you can
1: then find it. (laughs) Okay. Fair. What about things like uh, the, I mean, the, the infamous one don't lock your knee. Well, that in and
0: of itself is not nocebic. It's just an instruction. It might, we might, you know, we might scrutinize kind of the choice to frame that in the negative to say, like, don't do something as like, what should I do instead? Micro bend mm-hmm. my knee, engage my hamstrings, um, keep my knee. You know, what, what am I to do instead of what am I not to do? The nocebic part would be, um, uh, to keep your knee safe, don't lock your knee, right? Or, right. Right. um, don't lock your knee unless you want your knee to explode, <laughs> right? Like, <you> know, like, <laughs> like the, the, the nocebic, I love that cue. I, <laughs> I mean. I would be sort of let down if I didn't want my knee to explode. And so i locked it and nothing happened. I'd be like, uh, you know, I was told there'd be an explosion. Yeah. (laughs) False advertising. Um, you know, so it's, it's not to say, you know, again, don't have your students do specific things or do have them do specific things. It's, it's, it's that sort of caveat. We put that or else, or here's what happens if you lock your knee.
1: Right. So it's more, again, it's going back into the absolute, if you do this, this is going to happen versus let me educate you on this thing and explain what, when, how, or why. Right. You know, and, and, you know,
0: just to kind of dive a little bit into that rabbit hole, like why, why might we believe that locking our knees are bad? Or I guess I would ask you, do you, I don't know if that's a cue you instruct, but where does the assumption come that locking your knees is a bad thing and maybe we have to even further define like what does it mean to lock your knees because it's not a right you know that might not be a
1: very technical term right that makes sense that makes sense i have another like question i guess maybe that i'm going with this too is i feel like when we use our words in a yoga class you know specifically as teachers one we are we are in the seat of a teacher which is uh in 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 a lot of ways, you know, we're commanding space and having, there's a trust built into that. People coming into class are going to be listening to the things that we're saying because we're trained professionals, so on and so forth. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. There's also, so there's that, there's that buy-in. And then there's also, you know, the way the subconscious works and the way that our our minds work is repetition is key for a lot of things. And if we keep hearing the same, you know, negativity or, or whatever it is, this, you know, nocebo language that's going to have an effect at some, in some way, shape or form, um, not only in the cueing of the body, but the other things that yoga teachers are saying in the room and other promises that yoga teachers are bringing into a yoga practice. Yeah. 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 Well, I think there's
0: been, you know, something that I see happening a lot, um, in the, in the yoga world, um, these days is there's been sort of this disillusionment with yoga, because I think a lot of people come to the practice, um, let's, we'll say broken in some way whether that's emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, psychologically, and they have either been told or coerced into believing that the yoga practice is going to fix them. Or the yoga practice is going to help bring them back to a place of wholeness. And I certainly believe that that is that is possible. Um, And so they then follow, you know, very dutifully the instructions of their teacher, believing that their teacher is qualified to help Put them back together, and there's a certain level of deference that occurs there too. Where if the teacher is not necessarily saying, it, "Let's explore different options and see what works best for you," or "Try it this way, and let's try it this way," and mm-hmm. and sort of build in the 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 more reflective aspects of the practice of of learning how to um, di- be more discerning and be more attentive and and more sensitive to the 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 feedback that your body is giving you. Um, if I just say, "Come to my class." Um, I'll fix you. (laughs) I've never said that, but you know, if if that's the or or if the student says, "I want to go to yoga to get fixed," and they say, "Tell me what to do," and I say, "Okay, well, we'll never lock your knee um, because it'll explode," or um, always track your knee in the same direction as your toes so that you keep it safe. And we create these very specific alignment-based sentiments and rules around the practice. Then, when the student does experience some type of injury. And that injury could happen on their mat. It could happen off their mat. It could be yoga related or non-yoga related. It's often hard to kind of, um, um, to know. Um, but if there is some type of injury, there's often that sort of, sort of feeling of having been deceived by the practice. I, I thought that if I did it perfectly and if I did it every day in the way that I was told to do it, I would be healed. And instead now I'm even more broken in, in some, in some way. And And that can be a really, a really, um, well, in a lot of ways it can be really useful because it helps hopefully the student, um, question more and take more authority for how it is that they're Mm -hmm. practicing and perhaps to examine the instructions or the individuals that have delivered those instructions that, um, perhaps they've given too much, put too much of their, I don't want to say trust or faith in, but they've, they've, they've given them too much authority over their own body, um, and so that can kind of be the beginning of a new phase of someone's of someone's movement practice. Um, certainly, uh, well, I, I've seen that play out many, many times over. Um, but I, I, I do think that it's sort of the irony of of wanting to figure out the perfect way to do something so they receive maximum benefit. That then, when that doesn't happen, or to the to the contrary, there's there's sort of the opposite of that happens, an injury happens. Um, you can feel doubly let down and 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 dis, disenchanted with the practice. Um, so you know, it's not to say that 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 is an inevitability, but I I think that's that's been that's underscored a lot of what we see happening within these different yoga communities that were perhaps more guru based models where it was follow the instruction of the guru to the T, and then you know, unfortunately, we see kind of the misconduct of the guru or the 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 uh uh, the detriment of having followed some of these these instructions um playing out and that might mean that someone says goodbye to yoga and finds a different type of practice or a different teacher or or hopefully starts to ask more um, in-depth questions about what it is they're actually doing and why
1: Hey guys, this episode is supported by Bretton Bush Hot Springs. This cool remote retreat center is located in the Oregon Cascade mountain range. This place is an amazing yoga retreat center and conference center. They've had some really awesome guests like Ram Dost, Eckhart Tolle, Jack Kornfield. It's a great place to just get you to dial into yourself and check out. They've got about 26,000 guests a year and they're open year round. Check out brettenbush.com. That's B-R-I-E-T-E-N B U S And now back to our show. I think we have to remember as teachers, you know, I mean, yes to everything that you just said and, 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 for, for so many things, but I think we also have to just remember as teachers, like we're, some of us are only qualified to do certain mm-hmm. things. And what I like to remember is when I'm in that room, I am qualified to teach yoga and to speak from mm-hmm. my life, like from my own experience and nothing else. So I'm really cautious as to like what I say and what promises that I make. And, you know, I, I don't even make any promises in the room. What I do remind people and what I do empower students and other teachers as I, you know, as I train students and as I train teachers is to speak from their own and practice from their own yeah. inner wisdom. And remember that, you know, their experiences is, is in there. They just have to mm-hmm. trust it. Now, now, getting them to trust it may... Take a little bit, you know, and especially if someone's disembodied or not used to, you know, not if someone's not used to being with themselves or being in their in their own, that takes a little bit of of uh, of uh-huh. space to navigate, you know. But I, I will. I just distinctly remember, you know, being in class and and you know, someone came up to me and recently and was like, at the end of the year, and was like, "You have no idea what you've done for me," and I I, I kind of got taken back, like. Well, what do you mean like what like i didn't understand and he was like you know the words that you say in the room and you know everything that you've talked about in class and he's like it just really you know it really hit me really hard and and you you got me through some really rough times danny and i don't i don't even know the student's really name you know i know that he came to class a lot and we never really hung out and, and any any of that he's just you know a student that came to class all the time and it was that moment where I sat back and was like, oh my God, like, holy shit. I have to be really careful yeah. with what I say. And I have to remember that even on the podcast, you know, like all, all, all jokes aside and, and, and Tom Foolery and shenanigans and shenanifullery or well, shifullery all, all chain yanking. Yeah, all chain yanking. Um, you know, what we what we say, yeah, yes. What we say and and also the platforms that we have to say it, I think is really 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 um it's incredible to have it. But also there's this big uh there's this big sense of of responsibility for it, you know, like I I know that we interact with people and I know that we have effect and so on and so forth. But when we are reminded in in, in such a big way, like, you know, that one person could have, I don't know, it just, you you never know what someone's going through and you never know what, what someone is experiencing in the room. And so it it really just brought more, which is why I wanted to talk about this today. It really brought more awareness as to like, what am I saying and why am I saying
0: it? Yeah. And I think it's, it's also important to we're teaching a lot when we teach, you know, we're not just teaching somebody how to set up their feet in a pose or how to engage their biceps in a pose or whatever, you know, we're, we're also teaching them how to learn, um, not to say that they don't already know, but we're, we're, we're teaching them how to engage with this practice. Um, and we might not do that directly, but, but we might do that indirectly. you know, if, if someone comes to my class and my expectation is that they follow blindly every single thing that I say, um, I'm, I'm teaching them that the way that you, uh, engage in this practice is to blindly follow the teacher. Whereas if I, if I have you come to my class and I teach you to be a bit more self-reflective and I teach you, um, how to pay attention again to the feedback that your body is giving you, I teach you how to discover a sense of joy in the way that you move. I teach you how to, um, slowly uh uh cease the fearing of your body and the 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 curiosity and and playfulness uh, uh capacity of your body. Um those are the things that I'm I'm more interested in teaching, not just, you know, here's how wide to place your hands in downward facing dog. I might still make those very specific choices about you know, place your hands here and and you know, when I go to class I I like um being told what to do, you know, because it's for that hour, hour plus that I'm in the class, I'm a little bit off the hook. Um, I can, I, I like listening to an instruction, mapping that instruction in my body and then getting the, the feedback from myself and from the teacher of like, was I on the mark or off the mark? Um, so none of this is to say that like your classes just need to be a free for all of everyone choosing their own adventure. I like specificity. Um, but I also think that it's important to 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 think about the the underlying messages that we are giving to our students, and it's not just in you know the inspirational quote that you give or the the kind loving words that you give. It's in the way that you suggest that they relate to the practice and to themselves, and um, to to you know if it's an Asana based class, to movement or to breath or you know uh, uh, to to any of the the so called limbs of the practice. Like, is this is this an ongoing kind of inquisitive journey that we're on or is it one with very clear um uh rules and techniques and um and uh uh sentiments that we must follow in order to be quote unquote good yogis um so you know for me i would sum that up as like good critical thinking skills like that's how i learn um i've actually never I've never really resonated much with authority figures that expect me to blindly follow what they, what they want me to do. Um, I like when a teacher respects me enough to see me as being creative and resourceful and capable of, of um, you know, problem solving on my own. Um, So, you know, there's, there's larger conversations we can have here. um, And also more specific about different ways we can enable that kind of comes down to on the physical level uh, what we refer to as motor learning skills. Like how is it that we actually learn how to move right. as humans? Because um, babies aren't being right. given, you know, we might, we might give kind of nocebic language to, to children in order to keep them safe, look both ways when you cross the road and or else you'll get hit and you'll die. And again, that's, that's well-meaning because we want our kids to stay safe. Um, it might not be true every time, but generally speaking, yeah, you should look both ways when you cross the road. And, um, you know, that's the self-fulfilling prophecy. There isn't really happening in your own body. It's happening because of traffic and the world around you. Um, but, uh, I think a lot of the, a lot of the instincts I don't mean this to sound fear mongering, but a lot of the instincts that we might have as teachers can sometimes have the opposite effect. If what we're trying to do is help our students progress in their movement skills, Um, uh, for example, like if you look at a baby, learn to walk they're going to get up and they're going to, they, they need, to, they need to figure it out. They need to kind of problem solve. And usually that's because there's a task. There's an intention that they have. They want to get from where they are to where you are or from where they are to where that toy is that they want to play with. Um, or they want to bring that thing in their environment to them. And in order to get over there, they have to somehow locomote right. to get over there or to reach up high. They got to stand up. So they're not learning to walk because they Well, I I can't speak for babies, but (laughs) (laughs) they're not learning to walk because they want to be good walkers. On behalf of of all babies. Yeah, I speak for for babies um, around the world when I say, we don't want to walk because we want to be the best walkers in the world. (laughs) We want to walk because we want to carry out function and we want to interact with our environment and, um, we want to explore. And so it's that intention that gives rise to that, that is the, the desire, um, and the, the willingness to get up and fail and fall and get up and try it and fall. And, um, and that's how we have to learn the skill. We have to be, uh, ultimately self-sufficient to that task. Otherwise we never learn it. So we don't see parents. I mean, parents might kind of help, uh, a baby, you know, stand by holding their arms so that they can, move their feet and figure out how to distribute those forces and um but you wouldn't see a parent kind of get the baby to stand up and then micromanage every single step they take so that each step is perfect so they don't fall and hurt themselves you know we understand that if we did that the baby would actually never learn how to walk and yet as te- as yoga teachers um i think often we try to do that we want to micromanage every single moment of of our students movements, uh, uh, which, which creates a sort of contextual dependence where it says I can only do this thing. If you are, if you're there watching me, if I'm in your class, if I'm hearing you tell me every single step of what to do, um, and it might create the illusion of success because look at you doing the thing, but then how functional is that thing? Can you do it outside of the room? Can you do it when I'm not here? Can you do it with another teacher? Can you do it, you know, uh, right. Uh, right. Yeah. Not in this sequence. And so in order to actually, you know, the the what can be confusing about this is that in order to actually help somebody map a, a, a skill, um, we have to kind of be a little more hands off. And and that might mean, you know. Trying different ways of teaching it to them, we can use language, we can use a demonstration, um, uh, uh, we might we, we may or may not use touch, um, but you know, giving our students the freedom to explore a little bit, the, 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 freedom to get something wrong, to fail. Um, and, and to give them the message that, that not doing this exactly right, doesn't mean you're going to get hurt. Doesn't mean, or, or it doesn't mean that you're bad at yoga. Or, um, it doesn't mean that your knee is going to explode if it doesn't point exactly in the same direction as your toes. Um, can, You know, there's not only does it help to avoid the nocebo effect of them actually getting hurt because you've created that that sense of urgency or dependency around the instruction, but it also can help to awaken their sense of of exploration and and creativity and playfulness around their movement practice and to learn also how to how to work
1: with with, you know, the perception of failure. With, you know, in a world where we're so full and, and like just being hammered and hammered and hammered with so much information, Mm -hmm. we forget to trust our own inner wisdom. You know, we forget to go in and have the experience, you know, letting the human be the human and going through it versus here's everything, do all the things right now. One, two, three, go. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think we also think that if, if I can, if I can do it perfectly, I'll get the most benefit of it. And I won't waste time. You know, a lot of people come in and practice with me or do my trainings because, and they'll say, you know, I want to train with you because I want to get it right. And I want to make sure that I keep my students safe, or I want to make sure that I'm safe. And so I want to do this with you. And, you know, I, I appreciate anyone that wants to come and, and learn from me. Um, and certainly I have, I have plenty of, of sentiments around the sustainability of the choices that we make, um, on, on our mat and, and as teachers. But what I often will kind of respond to that is in my opinion, that's a, that's quite an uninspired reason to, to learn yoga or to start a movement practice or to teach movement. You know, what about, as I said before, what about, helping to reawaken a sense of joy and playfulness and curiosity around how you move. What about sharing that to other people? What about helping people to, um, as my friend, Annie Adamson says, helping them to claim movement as their birthright, not as this thing that a box that they have to check or something they have to learn from someone else, but something they can claim as inherent to who they are. Like these are the, the possibilities and the potentials of, of what we can teach as movers. And yes, like we want to help to mitigate the possibility of injury or mitigate, let's say even the inevitability of injury. I don't think it's possible. Even this idea of injury prevention is a little bit lofty Say, practice with me. And I will, I will make sure you don't get hurt. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. you can't promise that to anybody because you don't know. There's a lot of different factors at play that can contribute to someone getting hurt, you know, their, their neurology, the way that they, their belief system, um, their, their history of, of injury. Um, you know, there's, there's many different, different factors that contribute to the sensation of pain and, and the, the movement patterns that someone has. And so the best we can do is help to, to minimize the, the likelihood of someone getting hurt, um, by helping them make smart choices. But, um, you know, that is sort of a, a secondary goal for me, uh, not, not the primary reason that I want to help someone um, discover the, the benefits of this
1: practice. So long story short, just to sum this all up, mm-hmm. if you don't stack your knee, <laughs> it will explode. I, I don't feel heard. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely don't feel seen at all
0: in this conversation. Well, let me, I mean, I can't see. Maybe we can kind of go back and forth, but I'll, I'll going back to your kind of list idea. There are some instructions that either I have said for many years, um, that I've heard other teachers say that I still hear teachers say, um, that maybe, you know, we, we both have heard teachers say, or have said ourselves that in my mind are, are nocebic and also not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, uh, let's say if it's, if it's tree pose, um, place your foot along the inseam of your leg and make sure to avoid your knee uh, in order to keep it safe. The, 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 uh, the, what's implied there is that if I, if I take my foot and press it against the inner part of my standing leg knee, it will become unstable and and perhaps that pressure could be enough to break my knee in some way or or damage the tissue of, inside my knee capsule you must have a really strong foot <laughs> right now now what i would say to that is have you ever heard of anybody hurting their knee from pressing it on the inside of their pressing their foot on the inside of their knee like have, the, the next question would be right. like to me has that ever happened <laughs> Right. Like, well, right, actually, totally. no. So, so what? So, you ask the teacher, well, then why do you say that? And usually it's because that's what their teacher said. You know, right. and so now you might have a reason for not wanting someone to put their foot on their knee. Um, to me, it personally doesn't matter. Um, but if you don't, if, if it's just because that's what you were told, that's what you heard, not to say don't believe it, but, you know, good critical thinking skills would then ask the, the next question. The other one would be, you know, make sure to point your knee in the same direction as your toes in order to, again, keep it safe. Um, again, I've never heard of anyone's knee blowing out from it, going valgus or, you know, moving to the inner or outer part of the foot. In fact, there's many yoga poses where we do that. Think of like Garudasana, eagle pose, or the back knee of, of a warrior two is not necessarily pointing in the same direction as the toes. So you know, it doesn't, again, doesn't mean don't have somebody do that if that's what you're going for, but it's not necessarily that the other joint positions are, are innately dangerous. Um, even, even things that might be a little more, uh, or a little less, um, overt as that, like engage your core to protect your low back. Right. Right. Or, um, uh, uh, make sure not to lift your shoulders so as to not create tension in your neck <laughs> You or know, drop your shoulders right. to release tension in your neck. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, the list can go on. Don't, don't make sure your knee doesn't go past your ankle. Um. Cause it will explode. Like what about every time you take a step, <laughs> like there's, there's, yeah. there's, or, or, you know, keep your feet pointing straight forward in a back bend so as not to compress your sacrum. Now mm-hmm. the implication there is that compression is a bad thing. And yet, you know, compression right. is just, a, a a biomechanical force that moves through our body. Your, the, the weight of your head is compressing your cervical spine your, your neck, the weight of your head and neck is compressing your thoracic spine. The compression is just how weight is transferred. So, um, the, the, well, maybe I, I better leave it at that, but there's, yeah, there's, totally.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I, I don't mean to like make teachers head spin. i like, well, what am I supposed to say? Like, again, make the choice you want to make. I, you know, when I teach backbends, I will often teach to have, if it's, you know, bridge pose, have the feet parallel. Um, it's, it's more about helping to, to load that possibility and create strength in that possibility where often the the compensation or the the pattern is to turn the feet out. And so we kind of exploit a particular option, which could be, could create wear and tear over time. Right. Um, but you know, the, if there's any kind of takeaway from a conversation like this, 30 minute conversation is, you know, just to, to perhaps take more of a, uh, a proactive position in the investigation of the things that you're saying and the reasons that you're giving behind saying them. And in the meantime, if you don't know, it is totally okay to say, I don't know. Right. right. And this is how I was taught. So that's how I'm going to do it for now, but I'm right. going to keep investigating and learning more and perhaps not make definitive statements about what's okay. And what's not okay, unless, and until I have perhaps the research
1: or the understanding to to back that up. Rocky, that was so good. Thank you so much for helping us demystify the (laughs) language. And I, I think it was a super important conversation that we had today. I think a lot of people needed to hear it. So thank you so much. Of
0: course. And you know, if anyone wants to, to learn more, or if this has kind of scrambled you and you have questions, people are always welcome to reach out. Um, I would love to just put a quick little plug in here, which is that I will be launching another 300-hour teacher training with Noah Maze in May of this year, down in Los Angeles. So, you know, there's there's plenty of opportunities and and places that uh, you can go to to ask these types of questions and explore the different possibilities and answers. So,
1: and I'm on. But when when in doubt, just tell people, students believe that your knee is going to explode, and teachers remind them that their knee is going to explode. I'm gonna encourage you to listen back to this conversation,
0: Danny, and see if maybe <laughs> see if there's some takeaways that you get on the you know
1: second listening. Till the next Dharma dudes. This is Danny and Rocky saying, Your knee's gonna explode. <laughs> yeah, watch out. <laughs> Peace out. Peace.